9 through 39. <laughs> I'm going to have to go to the Bible. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her and took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. So the Mark, Mark's gospel really, I believe, is a fascinating one. And it moves at a breathtaking pace. So much happens in such a short amount of time. But I think life can feel like that sometimes, can it? Life can come at us one thing after another. Life can be relentless. I'm not talking good or bad necessarily, but life happens, right? Well, it's definitely happening in this first chapter of Mark. And in this day, Jesus decides to break away from those pressures, from those needs that are pressing in on him. He breaks away. He, did this, he does this a few times. He often broke away from the busyness of the day. He, he broke away from the disciples. He broke away from those who came to him with deep needs. And in just one chapter, in, quite, in fact, less than a chapter, Jesus has been proclaimed as the Lord. He has been baptized. He's been tempted in the wilderness. He's heard about John's arrest. He's announced the start of his ministry. He's called his disciples to follow him. He's healed the man with the unclean spirit in the synagogue. And now he's gone to Simon's mother's home to heal her, all in less than 40 verses. My goodness, this is a lot. The scope and the amount and the depth of needs are coming at Jesus. And it seems as though Simon is feeling it himself, being one of his closest followers. Simon, who will be Peter, he's feeling the enormity of it all too, I believe. And one single day, after the synagogue healing, after healing Simon's mother, after the sun goes down, the whole town shows up. Everyone seeking curing of illnesses, 
the relief of no longer having possessions that overwhelmed them. But in the middle of all this pressing in on Jesus, he does something today well, that I often find unexpected. And I want to zero in on what Jesus does. It's a simple thing. Jesus leaves. He walks away from it all on this day. He leaves behind a lot of people who were not cured on this day. I find this a little bit uncharacteristic myself when I read this story. Every time I do, I feel this. Why would he not stay and finish this task? What were those folks feeling that did not find themselves cured as those before them had? So when Mark tells us that Jesus got up, it's difficult to know that Jesus get up from sleeping or did he pull an all-nighter healing folks? It's hard to tell. Either way, Simon has noticed Jesus is gone. And I would imagine the crowds too. He's not to be found, and the crowds must have been inquiring, Simon, where is he now? We, we need him. We're here. It's time. Simon must have been feeling the pressure of that. I would. Understandably so. So he goes out looking for Jesus. Now, looking doesn't really justify what Mark is really trying to say here. In the original Greek, it, this word means more than looking around. It would be better translated to say that they were hunting Jesus down. They were hot on his heels, would be another great translation. Simon was hot on the heels of Jesus. Simon was hunting him down because of what was back in the front yard of Simon's home. And when he finds him, I love what he says because it sounds so familiar to me. He says, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Pause there for a minute. Now that's a recognizable hook, isn't it? I like to call these kind of statements or moments of evoking the committee of them. <laughs> evoking the, the they committee. You know who they are, right? You, you've heard them. You've used them, right? Let's be honest. We evoke this committee. We, we evoke them when we want to convince or persuade people to do what we hope they'll do. Usually because we feel a little anxious about something, right? I'm talking about those times, well, just like we see today, where people say to us, everyone is looking for you. But more often than not, we hear the conversation begin with, people are saying, heard that too, right? Used it before. It's not a good feeling, is it, to hear that everybody is talking about you? Everybody's concerned or worried about you and what you're not doing. I think Simon's doing some of that here. I think he really wanted Jesus to come back. I think he really wanted Jesus to come back and, and satisfy the longings of the crowds to relieve his anxieties and to fulfill those who might be disappointed in their hopes. But it doesn't work. Jesus is not swayed by the news, by the hook. Everybody's looking for you. He doesn't. And he begins to reveal to us that he came to do more than cure people. There's a larger mission he's beginning to point us towards 
that needs attending to, and it is just as urgent as those crowds in the yard that day. And he says, let's head in the other direction. Let's go a different way to the nearby villages so that I can preach there too because that's what I've come to do. So what does this say about Jesus? What's this say about his mission and how it relates to the needs of our world? What's this say about our call and mission? Why not stay and cure everyone? He had the ability to do so. We'll see a story not too long from here where he feeds the multitudes on a hillside because he didn't want them to go home hungry. Isn't the possessions of demons and illness a little bit more important than an empty stomach or missing a meal? Why not do something similar here? I'm going to pause and say that we've probably all been Simon before. We felt the weight of it. We've been taught to pray for others and to, to serve those in need. And we've been taught that it will change lives and it will make the world better, Right? I've preached it many years now. I've tried to live it many years now. Even so, we know that those we pray for still struggle. We know that the better days we work for, well, many of those days we're probably still waiting for. Some folks wait for generations before those better days come. And in the thick of it, we can sound a little bit like Simon. Jesus, where have you run off to? We've made a lot of promises, Jesus, in your name. You said you've come to cure. We've seen that, but there's a lot of people still sick and tired, and a lot of folks are tired of being sick and tired, to quote the great Fannie Lou Hamer. Jesus, you want to rejoin us here? (laughs) Let's take care of this now. If you're like me, this passage brings to mind those times in life that I've had to deal with the fact that God is with us but still experiencing the disappointments of things not getting better too quickly, or quickly enough, rather. And during these weeks of Epiphany, I've tried to work from the premise that God called the church into being through Christ in order to make lives better. Today I stand face to face with a story that says sometimes they don't, though. We who have, been given in our li- who have given our lives and our living to Christ, we face hardships, we bear our crosses. And as close to God as we might feel or be, we must still face trials and uncertainties and loss. And I suppose the problem with my way of thinking and my uncomfortableness of this story is sometimes I forget too that Jesus never promised to cure all things. He never promised to fix all things. In fact, he warned me, us, against thinking that way. For 2,000 years, many have followed Christ. It did not keep them from being harmed, did it? The disappointments we face in grief and loss, they're the hardest things that we face at times. But it does not mean Christ has left us or failed us. It does not mean that we're left alone. It does not mean that we lack faith when we doubt. We have too many instances where Jesus shows compassion. We have too many instances where people were cured. Jesus did come to bring healing, but not to cure all things. 
So I came across two very good questions, I thought, that I wanted to share with you this week. And the first question is this. Can we be healed without being cured? Can we be cured without being healed? There's two stories in the Bible that I think, one in the Bible and one in life I want to share with you, that I think help us answer these questions with yes. Both are true. The first one comes from the Luke Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, and ten people with leprosy have come to Jesus asking to be healed, and Jesus cures them all. And they all go away, and only one comes back. And that one comes back because he knows there's something more that has just happened than being cured. He recognizes who Christ is, and there's healing in that. There's an eternal truth here. This one who came back one day soon, his, he would die. He would be sick. Things would come. Challenges would come. But he knew that God was in Christ and Christ was in God. And there was an eternal truth here. Another story that I came across that makes this very real was about a, a woman whose sister is diagnosed with a serious illness. And she reached out to her pastor for help. And in this time of coming to terms with the difficult and uncertain news, there was something more important for that day. And the more important thing that day was to address the hard feelings that she had harbored with her sister for too long. And upon this difficult news and the uncertainties, their tumultuous relationship had left them feeling hardness towards one another. And she began to see, you know, that's hurtful. That's unnecessary. We can heal this. Not so sure about the illness, but we can cure, we can heal our relationship. No, not all things can be cured. But all things with Christ can be healed. We can learn to endure. And with God, we can and in Christ, we can find our balance and keep our balance when things in the world go sideways on us. You see, when the needs of the world chased Jesus down, and in the rush of that moment, there's just one little bit of that story that we almost read right past and not give much thought to. But that one thing is that Jesus was praying. I cannot know what Jesus prayed that day. Mark doesn't tell us, but I have a feeling that he was leaning into God for support and for guidance. I have a feeling he was asking God to help him carry out his mission and his purpose. I have a feeling he was asking God, God, help me, because I've got to make the hard choice to keep moving on while not all things have been cured here. God, I need your help, knowing that all things are not cured in this place, that this gospel message that I've been given must be proclaimed. As someone once said, if Jesus had not been prayed up that day, he may have given in to the temptation to, and the allure of fame to, please everyone in Capernaum, but at the expense of not moving on and keeping moving forward with his mission and ministry. 
as the Reverend Dana Ashley, the one for whom offers the two questions about healing and being cured. She says Jesus gets his priorities straight by talking to God, and so can we. And he realizes that it's time to move on. It's time to proclaim the gospel somewhere new. Jesus knew that there will always be more need than one person can deal with. And that's why our collective call into discipleship is so crucial. Jesus needs us to also be agents of healing and curing the ills of the world. Jesus was preparing us for this, that we would be part of that work, great work in the world. And Jesus found strength in prayer. He found strength in residing in God's presence. No, we have not been called to cure all ills of the world. But we have been called to bring healing through the gospel and the good news of Christ. The life ahead of us, it will be full of those days when we deeply feel the burdens of the needs in front of us. We will all at some point feel the weight of trying to satisfy the needs of God, our neighbors, our families, our teachers, our preachers, our churches, our families, our spouses, our children. And at times that work, it will wear us down. At the end of some days, we may realize that we have tried to please others more than God. And in into some days, we're going to look back and say, I don't feel like I accomplished anything today. It feels like it was for nothing. But when this is the case, as Christ, lean in to God. Lean in to prayer as Christ did. When it feels like these needs are chasing you down and you can't fulfill them, lean in to God. Take time to let God help you find your balance. Ask God to help you to remember that even if you cannot cure every problem in the world, even if you cannot meet all the needs that come at you each and every day, you can be a source of healing. You can be healed. At the end of the day, worries and sick and disappointments and even mortality, they will have a say, but they will not have the last word. Christ has the last word. And that last word is a word of life. And let me leave you with the thoughts of Romans, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the, the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Thanks be to God. Amen.